Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wagnall, how are you doing today? Great. It's, yeah. It's a good day. Doing good. Yeah, we've got some good topics. Really good ones. Juicy yeah. ones. So good. And helpful, of course. Imminently helpful. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the first one we're going to tackle is um, resilience, and and we kind of discussed. Why don't Why don't you tell everybody how we might kind of what format this might okay. be in? We're going to do a two parter. It's a big topic. So today we're going to talk about what resilience actually is, because it's one of those terms that gets thrown around a lot. It's not necessarily a particularly clinical term. Like if you made your way through. Um, most kind of graduate programs in, in clinical psychology, you're, you're probably not going to actually hear a ton about this, but it is definitely a, an idea that's in sort of popular psychology and, and I think does play a big role in mental health, um, but often under different kind of labels and forms. So we're going to kind of give our take on what resilience actually means mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. today. And then we're going to do a follow-up episode next um, where we'll tackle kind of our tips and advice for how to become more resilient. Right. Good. But before we do, I would like to make a little plug for our very own podcast and say, yeah, if you enjoy this show, um, maybe think about a friend, a relative, a coworker, someone you think who would really enjoy it um, and maybe recommend it. Um, help, you know, kind of spread the word. Word of mouth is always the best kind of uh, referrals for this sort of thing. So we'd really appreciate it um, if you guys could uh, just think of one person, just one person and... Uh, Send them a little email um, with a link to what would my shrink say? Yeah, and if and if you can um, uh, give us some comments or feedback, um, that's always welcome too. Or topics sometimes. Yes. We're, we're we're finding that you guys have a great uh, wealth of of uh, topics for us to cover. So let us know where we can help. I've been saying this from the beginning, but I would love it if this was just a call-in show, basically. Really? Where people just call in with their questions. Yeah. Well, maybe we could do an event where we do some call-ins or something like that. What would my shrink say? Live? Live. Oh, dear. Ooh. I don't know if the world's ready. I, I doubt it. <laughs> Let's do it anyway. But anyway, beautiful people out there. Um, yeah, if you feel free, ask questions, comment, um, and yeah, give it a share if you, uh, if you enjoy it and think someone would find it helpful. All right, on to resilience. So wh what do you... Okay, free association. What comes to mind when you hear the term resilience? Um... <laughs> free association for someone who's studied this. Um, let me, let me file through here. Um, I think, I think resilience in kind of pop culture is the idea that you are able to rebound pretty quickly from, mm -hmm. uh, distressing events or, or, or occurrences that, that happen in your life. Yeah. I think of like, like a punching bag is resilient. You can like just beat the uh, hell out uh -huh, of it uh -huh. and it just swings back to its normal like little place uh -huh, you know? uh -huh. um, or the other like image in my head that comes up is you're in the kitchen you got two frying pans one's like a stainless steel kind of traditional frying pan even mm -hmm. a skillet right and then the other is like a really slick non-stick teflon frying pan mm -hmm. right you cook with the first one you try to make eggs with the first one and it just gets like really sticky and kind of gross and then when you have to clean it off it like you got to put a lot of elbow grease uh -huh. into cleaning that sucker off right this is the it weirdest <laughs> metaphor i've ever heard but keep going i like wait it. for it <laughs> whereas teflon right a, a non-stick frying pan 
you can do all sorts of stuff in that frying pan. Mm. I mean, really mm-hmm. gnarly culinary stuff in that pan. And then it's almost like you don't even have to scrub it off. It just like peels off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you throw the same amount of stuff at it, but it, it just sort of washes off relatively easily. You put a, you know, you, yeah, yeah. you scrub it a little bit, but like it just, it just peels off. So, so, so in both examples, there's like this return to baseline almost, this return to start. Yeah. And I think, but they're both related in both our examples. It's, it's kind of about how, you, what happens after you experience stress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stress is inevitable. We all experience stress sometimes, but to me, resilience is about the degree to which you sort of bounce back to baseline mm-hmm. or not. Um, and not that you maybe never bounce back to baseline, but maybe I think some people, it takes a long time to kind of get back to um, baseline, you know, stress really kind of knocks them out for a while mm-hmm. and it's, um, or they kind of spiral and it, it's, and we'll talk about some specific examples, but I don't know. I think of it in terms of from this framework of stress and how you respond to stress, broadly speaking. Yeah, I think that, I think that's right. And, and given the literature on this, I think that's kind of in keeping that it's, it's a one's ability to, um, experience minimal emotional or, um, functional disruption, um, after experiencing some kind of event or stressful event or mm. stressor. Oh, that's interesting. So sort of functionally, like to what degree does stress really like mess with your life? Yeah. Impact you psychologically, emotionally, and then your ability to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let, let's see, what, what are some like, that, that's kind of the general idea, but what are some specific examples of how we might think about um, resilience, especially kind of emotional resilience? Like what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think, like when you've been working with a client who struggles with resilience, like do you have someone or a, a, a example that, that would kind of illustrate this? I, I think an easy way to, uh, you know, an e- a very clear way to look at this is in cases of like post-traumatic stress disorder where there's a very clear kind of distressing event mm-hmm. or trauma and then, the person struggles to regain functioning or or mental kind of wellness um, prior, right? Where a client may um, quit their job because the anxiety and stress of travel maybe are so terrifying to them. And so they're not able to work. They're not able to kind of engage in their mm-hmm. life the way they'd like to. And then there's a lot of um, emotional, uh, psychological events happening for them that also... Um, eat away at their well-being, their inner peace. Yeah. 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 So it can be big stuff like, like a major trauma and sort of how you respond to, sure. to a major right. trauma, like everything from, you know, you get mugged in a dark alley or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, mm-hmm. um, you know, physical trauma, like in war or mm-hmm. something like that. Or um, how you cope with not getting the promotion and, mm-hmm. and, and um, how you cope with a, a breakup or something like that. So, yeah. And even honestly, like all the way down to, um, how you how you respond to criticism, for instance, mm-hmm. like you're in a, like I was just talking to a client who was in a meeting at work and someone said something pretty critical of it, it seems like they understood that it was the person was meaning to be critical of their performance and not necessarily of them as a person, mm-hmm. but they they said it in a way that was kind of um, it could have been phrased better. But my client really started kind of personalizing this mm-hmm. and thinking like, oh my god, and like nobody respects me and. Uh, they think I'm a joke and just really started spiraling and like for the rest of the day, couldn't focus on work. This is like all they were thinking about, stay, had interfered with their sleep that night, you know, and then even the next day, just really still bothering them. Getting um, that feedback really disrupted her mental health. 
Yeah. yeah. Right. And even like, um, so obviously, um, he actually, he, he had a hard time like letting go of, was worried about it, was kind of churning on it and like ruminating on it and stewing on it. So in feeling kind of this mixture of anxiety and shame and, and frustration, it's just a lot of difficult mm-hmm. emotions, mm-hmm. but then yeah, it was impacting his life, right? Like couldn't focus at work, mm-hmm. wasn't getting the kind of work done that he needed to get done, um, impacted his sleep, right? So he didn't feel as good afterwards. Um, so yeah, really. And, and then even like, um, relationships, like he was just kind of irritable and like, then he, he was irritable with his family and then getting kind of irritated with himself that he was irritable about this thing that he theoretically shouldn't be irritable about. And so it just really has all these knock on effects. Right. As opposed to, and then this example was an interesting one because he, when he was telling me about this, he described another coworker of his whom he really admires for the reason that he seems, this other coworker seems really resilient. He'll, he'll get criticism or like he'll make mistakes or whatever. And it just doesn't seem to bother him. Like it just, he just sort of bounces back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And when he, when he asks this other guy about it, the guy says like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just don't think too much about it. And, um, and then I, I just move on, you know, something like that. Those explanations, simplistic explanation people always give. Yeah. Um, but I, I, two points like a resilience doesn't have to be about huge epic things in your life, right? It can be about relatively ordinary day-to-day things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then really getting at for, for the same thing, criticism during a presentation at work, different people can respond very, very differently. Some people really spiral and it affects all sorts of areas of their life. And then some people, you know, it hurts, but they kind of brush it off and just get on with things. Yeah. And, and, and I guess more to the point of what you're saying, certain or individuals may be more resilient, resilient in certain contexts than in others. You know, maybe, maybe, um, you're really good at taking constructive criticism, but you struggle with, uh, romantic breakups or, or loss or rejection there, or criticism there. So there's all sorts of different, maybe contexts where people are varying degrees of resilience. And, and that's an important thing too. I think looking at this as not, are you resilient or are you not? It's, it's mm-hmm. more, sometimes it's better to kind of look like how resilient am I and how, you know, where do I want to go from there? But um, people aren't that binary. I, that's such a good point with resilience. This is one of the things that frustrates me most when people, when I hear people talking about or, or read stuff when people have talked about resilience is it's very common for it to be portrayed as this global thing. Like you either are or are not resilient. Yeah. Um, but I think it's actually much more domain or context specific. Like you're suggesting, you might really struggle with criticism at work, for instance. But like, I don't know, in other contexts, on like on the, you know, on your whatever, like softball team, you know, with your friends after work, like your stuff doesn't bother you nearly as much as it does in, in other areas. So it can be surprisingly situation specific. Yeah, and there are all sorts of different, I guess, trajectories of... of um of mental health after some kind of stressor. Um, and I think the the research in this area is getting better and better because they're defining those trajectories and not just lumping people into categories of are they, do they have PTSD or not? You know, it's more of what does this look like uh, in several different ways? And, and some people um, experience some adverse kind of psychological consequences to a trauma that's not abnormal. Um, the abnormal thing is if that, if, if your behavior and your well-being doesn't reach baseline in the subsequent three or six months there. Right. right. So, right. um, some people are resilient 
or, or, you know, the research would label people as resilient when they when they experience almost a minimal amount of symptoms maybe following an event, right? And that's one form. But most people experience some psychological symptoms to the stressors, but then return to baseline in, in due time, in kind yeah, of regular time. And exactly. that's resilient in a different way. It means you can return back and to that baseline. You could almost make the case that it's not really, like, if you're sad after a breakup, is that a symptom of depression? Well, no, I don't know. Like you're just sad. Like who doesn't get sad after a breakup, right? <laughs> if you're feeling anxious after your boss criticizes some big important piece of work, like is that a symptom of some sort of pathology or is that just normal? Right. I, I would almost argue that's pretty normal. If you don't return to baseline eventually within some sort of, you know, reasonable amount of time, that then maybe we're crossing the line into, right? If you If you've been miserable and unhappy for a decade after a breakup because of that and you're still ruminating on thinking well that's okay that's a different story right right, right. <laughs> like everybody gets sad after a breakup yeah i think the trajectories we're focused on are the people who experience very few um very little psychological distress after a stressor is applied to their environment um or they quickly return to baseline yeah. if they do have some symptoms yeah. or some distress. It's worth pointing out too, I think, that another element of how context-specific resilience is, is that in terms of why some people seem to be more resilient or less resilient th than others, I think it's really important to, to remember that like environment and context really matters from that perspective too. So to go back to this like criticism at work job uh, example, you could imagine that, for instance, money and finances might play a role in your resilience. So these two people, one who takes criticism really well and it just doesn't bother them and one who just gets devastated by it. Well, if one person is like really in tough straits financially, like came from poverty and is barely kind of, you know, making their way through things compared to their coworker who is like a trust fund baby and always, you know, doesn't have to worry about money at all because, you know, they've always got some huge cushion. Mm -hmm they're not going to worry as much about criticism at work. Right? Mm. Whereas the person who's living paycheck to paycheck and has no safety mm. net, right? They're going to worry a little bit more about work. And that predisposition to worry could also make them less likely to just sort of bounce back after something, right? So things like things, things as, you know, environmental as like your financial situation yeah. can impact resilience or, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or things like, I mean, ostensibly, your biology probably plays a role to some extent. Genetics, right? The way you were raised, mm -hmm. the amount of um, like social support in your life. Mm -hmm. So if you get criticized at work and then you go home to a really contentious relationship with your spouse and you have, you know, you've just had um, a couple friends like, I don't know, ditch you and like you're just really lacking in good social support, you're going to have a harder time bouncing back from just about anything compared to someone who's got the super supportive spouse, lots of good friends, close-knit community and family. So I say all this because it's important to remember that it's, it does have a lot to do with kind of internal factors, how you respond mm -hmm. internally after stress. And we're, that's what, in the follow-up to this episode, we're gonna talk a lot about those. But I think it's really important to point out, there's a lot of other 
kind of foundational or environmental factors that that affect our capacity to be resilient. Well, and then the individual aspect there, because you could almost look at those those situations the same, the kind of the, the person who's kind of independently wealthy versus the person who, who can't, after a traumatic event, the person who maybe is struggling financially, you know, may feel like I, I have to go back to work. I have to return to work. I have to be, right. you know, functioning and do this. And the other person may say, well, I'm going to take some time off because I can afford to. And then they sit there and worry and, and do all sorts. So sometimes those very same environmental factors, depending on the individual and how they're seeing those things and experiencing those things can be quite different. So there's so many different variations and yeah. symptom presentations and non-symptom presentations to account for when you think about resilience. But right. I think in general, it's it's uh, people who kind of return to baseline pretty quickly after a traumatic event or a, or a stressor or, or, or um, um, distressing um, environment and then the people who just genuinely just experience almost zero symptoms or, or psychological distress after a stressor or bounce back pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 So what, before we wrap up, I have one last uh, idea I want to throw at you. It seems to me that one of the big factors that leads to people not being um, particularly resilient or as resilient as they could be is a, a pretty common, a, a, a way of thinking that, that permeates any, almost any difficulty, pain, suffering, stressor. And that is when, when something bad happens, not only do people think, okay, something bad has happened. There's a line of thinking that basically goes, there's something wrong with me because I don't feel good after this, right? So Mm. it's not just like, I feel ashamed after being criticized, but it's like, well, that I should just be able to let this roll off my shoulder and like, it shouldn't be a big deal. And like, what's wrong with me that I can't just let this go, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're laying in bed and you're like, I'm not, you know, I'm not sleeping, something's wrong, right? It's not just that I'm not sleeping, it's that there's something wrong with me because I'm not sleeping, right? Yeah, or this kind of secondary judgment of, yes. your, of your primary kind of pain, I guess. It's not just something bad has happened, it's I'm bad, I'm broken, there's something wrong with me because I still feel bad or because I feel bad. No one else feels bad after, no one else feels this bad after a breakup, right? No one else gets this anxious after criticism. Like what's wrong with me? So there's, there's two layers of feeling bad. And my experience is that often what separates people who are resilient from people who have who struggle with resilience is the people who are resilient don't go to that second layer. They acknowledge that something bad has happened. Mm. They feel bad. Something bad has happened but they don't generalize it to what's wrong with me that I'm feeling bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Um, I, I agree. I th- you, you took a turn where I thought you were, you, you turned left <laughs> where I thought you were going to go right. Um, no, I, th- I think I see what you're saying, that that avoiding that kind of judgment about who um, you are or, or, or why you're not good enough because you do feel bad mm-hmm. is a kind of an additional degree of distress that you're adding to this situation. And I agree with that. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the clients who are really kind of focused on, um, resiliency and they've labeled them as not themselves as not resilient, um, also kind of, uh, add this struggle, right? I'm not resilient. I should, I shouldn't be affected as affected as I am. Therefore, because I'm affected, um, I'm not resilient and therefore not strong or whatever, those, those judgments And there. I think that's yeah. what takes someone who is not particularly resilient in one or two areas of life mm-hmm. 
if you start doing this thing where like, oh, see, this is just another example of how I'm not very resilient. That's how you get to the place where you really do struggle with resilience in a lot of areas of life because you create this self-fulfilling prophecy by, t by every time something bad happens and you feel bad, you tell yourself, oh, it's because I'm not resilient. Well, now you, you really, you, you create this self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. of there's something wrong with me for feeling bad, mm -hmm. which is a setup. Everybody feels bad, right? But if you start feeling bad about feeling bad, like, ooh, that's a yeah. dangerous path to go down. Yeah, making moral judgments about yourself because of your feelings mm -hmm. is, a, is a difficult way to, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, so stay tuned for next, well, it won't be next week. A few days, part two of this episode will be out on what to actually do to become a little more resilient. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.